Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Welcome to the second season of Lamplighters Podcasts. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. No matter who you are or where you are, no matter the time or experience you've had following Jesus, or if you haven't had any experience at all, we are grateful to be on the journey with you and look forward to becoming more of who God created us to be. So we broke for the holidays by taking a look at the birth of Jesus through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. And then last week, we spent some time reflecting on the creative ways the Holy Spirit worked in our lives over the Christmas season. So, Jan, where does that put us today? Well, if you're following along the outline uh, of this year, we are in our third and last section that focuses on the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Um, Last fall, we looked at John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, as you said. And Mm -hmm. then today, we get to race through Jesus's entire ministry. That sounds exciting, racing. (laughs) That's a lot of territory to cover. And it feels a little bit like tying up loose ends, but it's really not. It's examining the way the Spirit worked throughout Jesus's life so we can draw parallels in the life of the church Mm -hmm. and then in our own lives going forward, which is where we're going in the spring semester. So So we're just setting up the rest of the study. Right. And how are we going to do that? How are we going to race through Jesus's entire ministry is not by talking about all of it. (laughs) Good. (laughs) We're going to just start at the beginning with his baptism at the hands of John, as we studied last fall. Um, And that inaugurated Jesus's public ministry. It, It was the line that divided what was before life in anticipation of the coming of the Messiah and what came after and is now, which is the Messiah revealed. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to spend much time on those precious verses. It's just, except to note two things that are important. Well, there are a lot of more important things, but two that are important for us today. First is that all the primary actors are here in two verses. So we have the son in his humanity, humbly approaching his cousin to be baptized. We have the spirit as a dove, which is the physical representation of the Holy Spirit's presence with the Son. And we have the voice from heaven, the the Father audibly expressing His pleasure and approval publicly. So that's first thing is the Trinity is all there. Mm -hmm. The second thing is that voice from heaven Mm. when He says, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Can you imagine beginning your life's work with this extraordinary public blessing? So I want to hold on to that because we're going to come back to it at the end. Mm -hmm. But just for right now, let's think about blessing a little bit. Have you ever received a blessing? Yeah, I will say that I'm very fortunate in that I had a grandmother Mm. and a grandfather who were very specific and intentional with their blessings. So I felt them at a very young age. Mm. And, you know, I can look at different times throughout my life when I've had specific blessings like that. And and they cannot be replaced with anything else. It's, no, it's that's a really gift. special. Yeah, it's a very special thing. And I would say the most recent one that comes to mind is, um, was one of our pastors at Covenant who laid hands on me and just richly blessed me. Mm. And it was especially powerful because she knew me. 
She knew where I was in my life Mm. and what I was struggling with, what was, you know, not going exactly how I wanted it to go. And she was able to bestow both comfort and encouragement on me Mm. um, with her blessing. And it was just really not only beautiful, but it was powerful. It is. It is powerful. Um, I remember when I was ordained as an elder in a tiny little church in Alpine. And in our tradition, all the people who are already elders come forward to lay hands on the one being ordained. Mm -hmm. Now, to understand this a little bit, you have to understand that I'm a 17th generation generation Presbyterian. 17th generation Presbyterian. That's on my dad's side. Okay. Uh, My mom always said her side of the family were sort of religious mutts. (laughs) But my dad was purebred Presbyterian. (laughs) It went a long way back. Uh, all the way back to Scotland, actually. And it was a very powerful experience because I felt the weight of hundreds and hundreds of saints who had gone before me that were in my own family. Mm-hmm. As I knelt there before that altar, um, there were lots of hands on my back, my shoulders, my arms. But in trying to capture that moment, what I became aware of is that the hands on my head on the top of my head, mm-hmm. belonged to my own daddy. Oh, yeah. And it was a powerful blessing for me. I have never, never forgotten that. Mm. Um, okay, let's move on to Luke 4, 1 through 21. Doesn't it seem a little weird that the first thing after the high of Jesus's baptism and this incredible blessing is this long passage about him being tempted by the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus is in the middle of nowhere. He's super hungry. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. He's hot. He's tired. He's thirsty at a real physical low point. And up pops the devil with all sorts of subtle and not so subtle temptations. He tries food first, and I will confess I probably would have fallen no, at that you one. Know, you know I would have. Oh, man. And then the devil tries secular and political power and authority. When that doesn't work, he finally dares Jesus to prove that he is the actual Messiah. Hmm. Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus counters each of these temptations by quoting Scripture. And I think since verse 1 tells us that Jesus was filled with the Spirit, you have to wonder if it was the Spirit bringing those particular Scriptures to mind. Oh, yeah. you know, God's Word is true and powerful. We've always said that. And this is just a really good example of why we need to memorize Scripture. So if we plan it in our heart and in our head, it increases the Holy Spirit's vocabulary with us. And He must have had quite a vocabulary with Jesus. So I want to linger a moment on that verse 1 primarily because it raises one of the issues that we encounter and one of the questions we are always asking, Mm -hmm. which is, how do I tell if this message is from God or myself Mm -hmm. or, you know, the plumb line for me has always been, does it line up with Scripture? Mm -hmm. So it's a little disconcerting to understand that the enemy can also quote Scripture. Mm. But here's the key that we need to remember, and that is that the devil bends God's word and quotes it out of context. He will always focus the scripture on you mm-hmm. and what you should be doing, not on God. Mm. And that's a real clue. Yeah, and he has been doing them that from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. We can go back to Genesis 
And bending God's word was the weapon that Satan used back in the Garden of Eden Yep. when he was trying to get Eve to take that first bite of the forbidden fruit. You know, he cast doubt and... That's all we need sometimes to take that first step in the wrong direction. Absolutely. I, mean, I think that's why it's important to know the whole of Scripture, Absolutely. the story from the beginning to the end, and also to be with people who help us interpret God's Word and the Spirit's action in our own lives. You know, frequently you can see the Spirit at work in someone else when they can't. Right. What's well, the same is true for you. Yeah. You know, you need people in your life who can see the Spirit at work in you better than you can. Mm-hmm. And also the temptations that are coming to you. Yeah. They help interpret what's going on in your life. Right. Okay, so we're going to move on from the baptism and the temptation to the rest of Jesus's ministry, which is some of it's familiar to many of us. So I just want to point out the Holy Spirit's action in a couple of events. Okay. Um, after being in the wilderness, Jesus returned to Galilee to start his public ministry. And we are told that was in the power of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is filling him, leading him, guiding him, empowering him. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is with him. The Holy Spirit empowered him to fulfill that beautiful prophecy in Isaiah about proclaiming good news to the poor, freedom to prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, setting the oppressed free, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. All of this is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And he ministered with great power because of the Holy Spirit. And yet, Jesus was rejected in his own hometown. Yeah, He was opposed by the entire religious establishment. He was deserted by many followers early on and all of his followers later, except those faithful women at the foot of the cross. Mm -hmm. And he was eventually crucified. Where, make a note, as Matthew tells us in 2746, that Jesus was abandoned by the Father and the Spirit. Mm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. The story doesn't end there. Fortunately for us, Jesus was raised from the dead by the life-giving power of that same Holy Spirit that deserted him on the cross. Mm -hmm. And then we go to the scene of the resurrection in Matthew chapter 28. I love Matthew's description of this because I just think the angel and the Holy Spirit were having so much fun. (laughs) Uh, First, you know, there was an earthquake. Well, that happens a lot in that part of the world, but there was something different about this particular earthquake. I mean, it got everybody's attention. Mm -hmm. And then this angel shows up and he rolls the stone away from the front of the tomb and then he sits down. He's, you know, kind of like casually lounging on the stone is what I imagine. Um, and he doesn't care so for the first time, like he doesn't say, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care if the soldiers are afraid. In oh, fact, yeah. he wants them to be terrified. Right. So they are frozen in fear. But then he does care about the women and he tells them not to be afraid. And then as they're trying to process all that, he utters those words that changed their lives and the world. He is not here. He is risen. Mm. Come and see, which is the invitation Jesus gave to all of his disciples when he called them. Uh Come and see, and then go and tell. Yeah. That's their job description. And the power of the Holy Spirit in all this enabled those women 
to go back to witness to the resurrection, and it continued to empower the early church to spread the good news around the world. And that's where we're going next week. Well, it is a powerful scene, isn't it? And I do think that uh, there was probably a little extra drama there because, you know, the Holy Spirit knows us well and He knows how skeptical we are by nature. (laughs) You know, we're always looking for proof or dismissing things as coincidence. Mm -hmm. You know, as you said, the earthquake, you know, it certainly grabbed everyone's attention, but it wasn't the first time they'd ever experienced that. And then the stone rolling away. Well, you know, Mm. maybe you could blame that on the earthquake. But how in the (laughs) world do you explain away that angel? Yeah. Yeah. And, And then following it with those instructions makes sense because they were likely standing there dumbstruck and needed to be pushed into action. You know, the shock of the whole scene had to have been overwhelming. But again, the Holy Spirit knew exactly what was needed. Yes. And so they could continue the story down through the rest of the years. Okay. I want to end by going back to the beginning. Okay. I don't know about you, Lynn, but I started this study with some preconceived notions about the Holy Spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> you sound doubtful. Yeah. <laughs> some of which have been re, uh, reinforced and some of them I've had to reevaluate. Okay. Mm-hmm. But hopefully through this process, I'm getting better at discerning the truth from the lie by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is critical because the lie can sometimes be so subtle. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me give you an example. A while back, I heard someone say very definitively, well, if you had been following the Holy Spirit, that never would have happened. Oh. Yeah. Now, I will confess that in my early years, when I was just starting to follow Christ, I probably would have believed and agreed Mm -hmm. with that statement, even though it sounds a little judgmental. Yeah. You know, because clearly the Holy Spirit's in charge. And if you're following Him, right? Right, right. But this time, a really alarm bell went off. And, you know, we've said so many times in here that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean life is a bed of roses. Right. In fact, it's just the opposite. Mm-hmm. And I take great comfort from Luke chapter 4, verse 1, that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And yet it was the Spirit who led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, no less. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when we find ourselves in those dry, lonely, confusing, unproductive places, it's not because we've done anything wrong. It's not because we've messed up or don't have enough faith. It's not because we weren't following the Spirit, Mm -hmm. but because we were. Mm. Now, I've been in plenty of wildernesses, and I can't explain God's purpose in allowing those experiences in our lives, those dark nights of the soul. Mm -hmm. But I do know He has a purpose. And sometimes we are blessed, I use air quotes around that word, (laughs) with opportunities to be tempted and tested, to be tried and stretched, to have our faith uh, tempered and strengthened and our trust and reliance on Him reinforced, reinforced. And that happens best in the wilderness. So I said, Mm. I've been in them a lot of times. Have you ever found yourself in such a place? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I I just want to focus just for a minute on the truth that you said. It's not that we were there because we weren't following the Spirit, but because we were. That's 
that's kind of a bitter pill, pill to swallow, oh, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, because we we think we're going to be protected from that. But, you know, that's one of those things that we've talked about so many times before, but I think it's one of the most common misconceptions in Christianity, both by Christians and non-Christians. Mm-hmm. And that is that if we follow Jesus and do, you know, what we are commanded to do, that we will be spared the darkness and the doubt and the heartache. Um, but, you know, we grow so much through those those times of darkness and, and loneliness. That's yeah. when we really can turn inward and we have to rely on our Savior to yeah. pull us out. Um, I certainly felt alone and not spirit-filled when my brother was dying. Mm. And, you know, he was young. He was in his early 30s. And I spent a lot of time wondering, how can you, do, how can you let him go through this pain, God? You know, mm. what did he do to deserve this? Mm. And looking back, what I know is that it wasn't the Holy Spirit who had left me in this darkness and abandoned me, but it was me who had turned my back on him. Mm. You know, I was so caught up in what I was going through that I couldn't see that. The pain and the grief. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, and and it's hard to see in that pain and grief sometimes that that there is a plan and that God can redeem everything that you go through. <laughs> You know, I felt betrayed mm-hmm. because I was going through it. Um, you know, of course, now, all these many years later, I can look back and I can see so many ways that the Lord had his hand in every bit of what my family went through. Mm-hmm. Um, it just took a little time and distance for me to be able to see that. I think that's an important thing to remember. Uh, you know, we all have twenty twenty vision in hindsight. Yes. Um but it does take time, and time hopefully then brings some perspective. At right. least that has for me. And every time I've been through one of these, one of these times, you mm-hmm. know, you've heard me say before, I have to go to the school of the two by four, right? Because I just don't seem to be able to learn or to be led easily. I yeah. wish, I wish I had a soft mouth, but I don't. Yeah. And so I've ended up in several dark nights of the soul. But what I have, you know, the first one was terrifying, actually. But subsequent ones are uncomfortable. I don't like them, and I wish they were over. But I've sort of relaxed into them mm-hmm. because I've learned some things, and I've come to understand and believe some things about those times. And one of the things is that God really is good, yeah, and He has a good plan that He's going to bring it about. Mm-hmm. And even though it's not revealed to me at the moment— or even though I'm in a fog and I don't understand, mm-hmm. that that it will eventually come about. And the second thing is that God will never, never leave you or forsake you. Unlike Jesus on the cross, we are never abandoned by the Holy Spirit, even mm-hmm. when we don't see Him, even when we don't feel Him, even when, as you said, we have turned our back on right. Him. He is still with us yeah. and still a companion presence in those dark nights Mm -hmm. of the soul. Mm -hmm. And so a friend of mine told me one time, she said, Jen, it's really important to remember, never doubt in the dark what you knew to be true in the light. I know that sounds like a platitude and I hate platitudes, but it's true. Never doubt in the dark what you knew to be true in the light. The dark is a scary place and we can let our imaginations run wild and come up with all kinds of things that create doubt and fear and get us wrapped around the axle, mostly the enemy trying to get us to doubt God's goodness right. in actual fact. But the light 
always comes. And if we can cling to what we knew in the light, Mm -hmm. we get through that darkness a little bit better. Yeah, because what we all know is that the light drives away the darkness. It's not the other way around. Right. Okay. Well, do you have a question you want to leave us with today? (laughs) After that heavy conversation about (laughs) wildernesses and dark nights of the soul. Yes, actually I do. Okay. I want to go back to the first. And I want everyone to use their holy imagination to imagine this. Okay. We know we are children of God. Mm -hmm. We are adopted into the family because of what Jesus did on that cross. We know the Holy Spirit enables us to run to the Father crying, Abba, Daddy, Mm -hmm. and have His arms wide open to us. Mm -hmm. So this week, I want everyone to spend some time reflecting on and imagining being held in Christ's strong and gentle arms, feeling His hand on your head, and hearing spoken in a strong voice for all to hear those words, translation by Bob Goff, Mm -hmm. and that is, you are my daughter. Mm -hmm. You are my daughter. I love you with a crazy love. I am tickled pink with you, and I am crazy about you. Mm -hmm. Lynn, I love you, and I am so pleased with you. Mm -hmm. Put your name in that verse. And just imagine being enfolded in that kind of love. Isn't that a true blessing? Oh, yes. Okay, well, until next time.